Hello everyone, this is Jim Lucy, Editor-in-Chief for Electrical Wholesaling and Electrical Marketing. The February 6, 2023 edition of the Today's Electrical Economy podcast sponsored by Champion Fiberglass. The company began producing epoxy fiberglass conduit fittings in 1988 and in 1989 developed the first conduit from epoxy resins that had flame resistance and low smoke characteristics. This met the most stringent codes and specifications. In today's podcast, we'll take a look at the results of the latest quarterly economic survey that Electrical Wholesaling did with the Vertical Research Partners and offer some observations on the recent NEMRAM annual conference in Las Vegas. We'll also check out some weekly economic indicators that can give you a sense where the U.S. economy and the electrical market may be headed in the coming weeks and months. These five indicators are initial unemployment claims at the state level, rail freight car traffic, the Baker Hughes rig count, oil prices, and copper prices. Our thanks again to Champion Fiberglass for once again sponsoring the Today's Electrical Economy series of podcasts for 2023. For the week ending January the 28th, the advanced figure for seasonally adjusted initial unemployment claims was 183,000. That's a decrease of 3,000 from the previous week's unrevised level of 186,000. The four-week moving average for these claims is 191,750, and that's a decrease of 5,750 from the previous week's unrevised average of 197,500. The U.S. unemployment rate for January came in at 3.4%, which is pretty close to where it was in December. Now let's take a look at the states with the largest decreases in unemployment claims. The top of the list was Kentucky with a decrease of 3,387 down to 1,823. California came in with 1,923 fewer claims and they are down to 46,192 claims. Ohio had 1,179 fewer claims down to 7,885. Arkansas was down 698 claims. Michigan was down 436 claims to 7,074. Here's the five states that had the biggest increases in unemployment claims for the week ending January the 28th. Georgia was up 1,885 claims, currently sitting at 7,853. New York was up 1,195 claims, sitting at 17,880. Oregon saw an increase of 736. They now have 5,333 claims. Wisconsin up 697 and sitting at 6,021. The other part of the list is New Jersey with 690 more claims, and they are at 66,987 claims. One of the more interesting leading indicators for the overall U.S. economy is freight rail traffic, and that's because it's a measure of the amount of raw materials and finished goods being shipped by rail. The best source for this data is the American Association of Railroads, or AAR, and it publishes this data weekly. For the week ending January the 28th, total U.S. weekly rail traffic was 400,073 650 car loads and intermodal units. That's down 3.9% compared with the same week last year. Combined U.S. car loads and intermodal originations in January 2023 were 1,843,624, and that's down 3.2% or 61,616 car loads and intermodal units from January 2022. AAR Senior Vice President John Gray said in the press release, Rail traffic began 2023 much the same way we ended 2022. It was demonstrating reasons for both optimism and caution. For example, this was the best January for carloads of crushed stones and sand on record, largely due to the growth in domestic natural gas production and the need for fracking sand. Automotive traffic, although not yet at pre-pandemic levels, had a healthy improvement over 2022. 
On the negative side, it was the worst January for intermodal units being shipped since 2013, with major retailers cutting back on inventories and consumer spending, especially on goods, having contracted. With the overall data through the week of January 28th was down, once again there were some significant increases in several freight categories. Compared to the year-to-date data from this time last year, motor vehicles and parts were up 13.4%, petroleum and petroleum products were up 12.3%, and non-metallic minerals were up 11.1%. On the negative side, chemical shipments were down 11.4%, forest products being shipped by rail were down 8.3%, and total intermodal were down 8.1%. If you track the oil market, you're probably familiar with the Baker Hughes rig count, which tracks the oil and gas rigs that are operating. This data is available by state, by basin, and nationally at www.rigcount.bakerhughes.com. This slide gives you an idea of the largest oil and gas deposits. It really gives you a good sense of just how many of the large oil plays are in Texas and Oklahoma, and how big an area the Marcellus gas region covers in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and parts of West Virginia. On a year-over-year -year basis through January the 27th, new rig installations continued at a slow but steady pace. There was a decline of four operational oil rigs since January 21st to 609 total rigs. Year-over-year -year oil rigs are up 114 for a 23% gain. Gas rigs were up by 45 units for a 39% gain. New Mexico had three new rigs go online and is up eight rigs over last year to 105 oil rigs. With 380 rigs operating, Texas is up 96 rigs over last year for a 34% gain from this time last year. On a basin basis, the Permian region, which stretches from Texas and into New Mexico, had 64 new rigs and it's up 22% over last year's figures from this time. The current price for a barrel of West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil as of Friday, February the 3rd is $75.95. That's slipping a little bit from the $80 range that we had been seeing for W2A oil for a good chunk of January. That figure for $75.95 is, however, is right on the average for the 2023 so far. Economists like to call copper pricing Dr. Copper because it's a leading economic indicator for future activity since copper is used in so many industries. The construction industry is among the leading markets because of its wide use in wire and cable and copper plumbing pipe. Copper prices on the COMEX exchange were at $4.14 per pound on Friday, February the 3rd, according to macrotrends.net. Copper prices have gained $0.32 cents so far this year, and that's good for an 8% increase. I always look forward to the quarterly results from a survey that Electrical Wholesaling does with Vertical Research Partners, or VRP, an equity research firm. For the past two years, every quarter, we've been surveying distributors to get their thoughts on what they've seen in the, the past quarter and what they see ahead. We usually get about 30 distributors that responded, from everyone from some very large national chains down to some smaller companies, so it's a pretty good range. And the uh, market conditions are very interesting to see from their eyes. While the 30 distributor respondents to the survey reported some pretty strong revenues for the fourth quarter, they, they also reported some softening. And when you consider that the revenue increase for electrical equipment, they were predicting to be at 5.6%, prices accounted for 3.3% of that, so it's a pretty big chunk and brought us down to a fairly small increase. Uh, they are expecting to see an increase in total revenues for the first quarter of 2023 of 1.2%, but when you figure that pricing is accounted for a, a bit more than half of any revenue increases over the past quarters, few quarters, uh, that's going to probably push us into a bit of negative territory for the first quarter of this year. 
while I enjoy seeing what distributors are forecasting for the upcoming quarter and what were the experiences they had with the past quarter, I might even see that the different comments they have on the economic conditions are perhaps even of some more interest. Uh, a couple of distributors have some things to say about lead times. Said one company, I don't even count things in weeks anymore. It's months. Another person said on lead times, OEMs can't give us a ship date. And if they do, it's just a guess. On overall economic conditions, one distributor said, bumps and hiccups, but no massive slowdown. Another distributor said, and looking forward, not a cliff, but definitely heading down. And one distributor had an interesting comment on the revenue opportunities that EV charging stations represent. And they said, set to take off, but right now, more smoke than fire. I thought I'd close out today's podcast by giving you a few takeaways from the Never Annual that was I just attended over the past week. Uh, by all reports, a very lively conference, and uh, I think it was great to see many of you out there. The most recent figure I got for attendance at the conference was 1,916 reps, manufacturers, and service providers in attendance at the show. And talking with many of you at the show, I didn't get any indications that people were expecting a huge slowdown. And if anything, it was more of a lull than an outright recession that people were looking at in the coming months. I was really impressed with the number of young executives involved in the one-on-one -on -one meetings. And that's both on the uh, manufacturer basis, the, the, the rep basis, and in many of the service providers that were at the show. Uh, I, I've been attending them since the 1980s. And uh, as I've seen it with the, the, kind of the first wave of folks that I met that were at NEMR, where certain, many of the companies were founded in the post-World War II years, uh, as those folks were retiring in the 90s and 2000s, some of their uh, sons and daughters were taking over the firms and for many of those folks, sons and daughters who are now in their uh, 50s or so there's a kind of a wave of them that have even retired or sold the sold their firm so there's a lot of new, I see a lot of new faces and I see a lot of new people that they were bringing to the meetings and I, I find that to be really encouraging a future for NEMR because of the amount of new young blood that's in the association right now. Uh, NEMR did have an emerging leader session and they got over 80 participants attended there and that is just a terrific number of folks that to come out for a first time meeting. Uh, at NEMR what they've tried to do, there, much of NEMR if you haven't been there, is there's one-on-one -on -one meetings between the manufacturers and the reps I and mean, many of these reps they may have 10, 15, perhaps 20 lines and they very often will meet with each of those uh, manufacturers for a meeting of about 40, 45 minutes. Uh, in some hotels that's going to require a lot of running around from suite to suite so NEMR has figured out a way to have many of those uh, meeting spaces on the show floor and they're modular kind of self-contained units almost looks like a a modular trailer in a sense, but they're anything from a fairly small table for eight to a pretty good, really nicely outfitted uh, conference uh, booth with a, ta with a table, kind of an executive conference uh, suite there. So they're very nice looking. Um, they don't, not everyone, they, they, they sell out very quickly. I think it's going to be a big hit for the uh, next, next, next uh, number of conferences in the yeah, going into the future. Um, as far as you know, mixed re on the, uh, as the idea of uh, Las Vegas as a site for uh, the NEMR conference, you know, I, you know, Las Vegas is, it's, some people love it. Some people, you know, not, don't like going out to Las Vegas. Um, I have to say the hotel could definitely handle uh, the amount of meetings that the NEMR folks had. Everything was fairly close together. I think there were plenty of restaurants and, you know, places to eat. And also I think that part of it was good. Be interesting to see what NEMR decides to do as far as a location um, in the future. 
Thanks again to the folks from Champion Fiberglass for sponsoring the Electrical Wholesaling Series of today's Electrical Economy Podcast. Getting a great response from our people at NEMRA and different shows I'm attending, so I feel good about what we're doing there, and I'm glad that we're providing some content that is useful in your businesses. If you would ever like to have a chat, chat with me about some content you'd like to see us cover in the podcast, or if you have any questions about any of the data, you can always contact me at 913-461-7679. My email is jlucy at endeavorb2b.com. Our next podcast will be on February the 20th. Until then, be healthy, be happy. I look forward to talking with you in a couple of weeks.